Do you want an insight into the minds of the industry professionals? Then there's only one place to be. One place to be. The Ins and Out Podcast with your host, Kane Silver. In this episode of the Ins and Outs Podcast, I speak with dancer, actor and stuntman Darren Tate. Darren tells us about his journey from working in Iceland to going to Rombe Ballet School. He tells us how he joined Cirque du Soleil in Las Vegas and how he became the face of Dr. Pepper's Super Bowl commercial. Darren also tells us about his drug addiction and how he's turned his life around by starting a new fitness journey competing in Ironman competitions. And we discuss how his vlogs could make an impact on his new community. If you or your family are looking to book your dream holiday, whether it's to go to LA and take some classes, go to New York on a shopping trip, go on a safari in Africa and see some lions and tigers and bears, oh my, or you can go skiing in the Alps, or you could be booking your dream honeymoon, then go check out Not Just Travel Tracy. That's where I book all my holidays and I go to the best places and get the best deals. Make sure you tell Tracy that you found her from the Ins and Outs podcast because I've hooked you all up. That's right. I've hooked you up with VIP treatment. That means very important person treatment. That's right. She'll give you all the best deals on the best holidays. And you can find Tracy on Facebook as Not Just Travel Tracy or visit www.notjusttravel.com forward slash Tracy dash silver. One more time, because that's a lot. www.notjusttravel.com forward slash Tracy dash silver. Or to make it easier, if you couldn't get that twice, you can click the link in the bio. So here is Darren Tate. And we in, motherfucker. What's up? Today I've got my friend Darren Tate. What's up, bro? Yeah, man, good. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Yeah, man, it's good to have you in Swindon, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? It's a good place. Not many of us here. There aren't. It's small, <laughs> small time, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it? Makes big time people, though. <laughs> like, I'm not from Swindon, but I always class it as my home because I went to college here. I spend all my time here now. I'm trying to buy a house here. So I feel like mm. I'm from Swindon. Yeah, Swindon's a good place. You know, I've, I've been, I lived here all my life, but when I tell people that, I, when I do, when I tell, let people know where I'm from, I say Wiltshire. I don't really say Swindon. Why? <laughs> How come? I don't know. It's just, it's something that I've, uh, I've always done. Yeah, Swindon's a good place. But Swindon's big in the breaking game, man. It's a bit on UK scene. Yeah, but that's that's the 80s, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? We're in, what, 2018 now, so... Yeah, I don't know. It's a good place. I, I mean, I'm from Park North, so I love the place where I'm from because it's, it's really ghetto, but... I mean, yeah, man, I love I love Swindon. It's a good place, but I wouldn't want to live here. I want to live back in London, so and so. See, I'm the opposite. I, London's too much for me. I'm like, mm. oh, I need a, I need some some normality in my life as mm. well as so. I, but I like Swindon because it's obviously much closer than Cardiff to London. Right. So I get I'm halfway, half yeah. and half of home and. Well, I, I lived in London ten, for ten years before I went to the states, so I've missed it. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to live in central London. No, no. I want to live on the outskirts of London and stuff. But because I know it can be, you know, it can really be quite fast there. But for me, it's just I just want to be. I feel like I'm missing out on stuff while I'm in Swindon. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I want to be amongst it. Yeah. With my, especially with my path that I'm going now with, with the fitness stuff. Yeah. And training. I need to be there. You need to be there. I want to touch on the fitness stuff in a minute, but. 
I'm I wanted you on the show because I believe you're a true entertainer. You embrace the art form of entertainment no matter what it may be. Mm-hmm. Um you're a dancer, you're a stuntman, you're an actor. Like you've got so many tools to your tool set, uh, your toolbox, I believe. Um but tell me about your journey. How did you start within the business of entertainment? What got you there? Wow. That is a long story. So, so Okay, we've got time. So <laughs> basically, I was I used to work at Iceland's the warehouse and I was a forklift driver. So basically I was a forklift driver in Iceland's on night shift working 11 till 7. And in the morning I used to cycle past town hall uh-huh. um, afterwards uh, when I'd, I'd, I'd stay on for my like, like uh, overtime and stuff and I'd, the score would start up at like 9 o'clock or something. And uh, I'd go past and I'd get my can of Coke and a Mars bar <laughs> and I'd watch the ballerinas do their ballet. And then they'd, they'd kind of like... You know, I was there quite a lot, actually. <laughs> not, not being a perv or anything, but I used to be there quite a lot. And um, I remember the ballerinas used to, to wave at me and stuff. And I thought to myself, I need to be in that class with them. So yeah, I knew Banksy off, off the uh, the scene also, because obviously with the, with the street dancing, because I used to street dance for many, many years. But as in turning, going into to college doing it, I'd never done that before. And I thought to myself, do you know what? I'm going to give that a go. So... I went and enrolled with Pete Purdy. God bless him. I enrolled with Pete Purdy. Got into the score with the worst ever solo star <laughs> people by George Michael. It was horrendous. Nice. But I got in and uh, ended up doing, I think it was a year there, a year and a little bit because I went to Body Works afterwards. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't the best dancer, to be honest with you. I had a lot of... Um, I had a kind of a tough time there also because I was the underdog, the, you know, I was, of course, a lot of mischief as well because uh, <laughs> I was you know, part North boy, but I wasn't good at ballet, contemporary or jazz. Uh, it was something, and everyone else was really, really good. So no one would go across the floor with me in jazz or ballet. I had it really, really difficult and hard and you ain't going to do that. You ain't going to make it, blah, blah, blah. I had all that. So I... I knew that there was something in there because I was good at the street dancing. Just someone needed to give me the time to do the the uh, the foundation course and just work with us, and I would get good. But beyond, to be honest with you, I, I worked hard, and I, and I thought to myself, right, well, I need to go to higher education after this. Where do I want to go? And I looked into Body Works in Cambridge, and but my heart was set on Rambert School of Ballet, but I didn't get into Rambert, so I went back to. Oh, actually, sorry to tell you, I went to Body Works afterwards, ended up getting a scholarship for that school, done mm-hmm. one year there, and then sneakily going to audition for <laughs> Rambert Ballet with Paul Sinnott, and uh, we didn't get in. Uh-huh. And then I went back to Body Works, and then I think a year later, I auditioned again for, for Rambert and got in, took Rambert, ended up doing like uh, one and a bit year there to get in sneaking off again from Rambert to go to audition for Notre Dame de Paris. Uh-huh. And that was my biggest break as a professional dancer was that show. And I remember going back to Rambert saying, listen, I've got, I've got the show Notre Dame. Um, and uh, what do you guys think? And they said, well, we train you for this. This is what we train you for. So you need to go and do it. Which is dope because most colleges now and then would be like, when you're in college, you can't work. You've got to stay in. Yeah, they, they, they were they were supportive. I mean, because I could end up, you know, 
you know, do I regret it now? Because I didn't, I didn't end up doing my last two years. But end of the day, I, I spoke to them and said, what's be the best option? Do I take the, the biggest show coming to the West End, mm-hmm. uh, being a soloist in the show, or, or do I uh, continue doing my study in here? And Therese was really nice. And she said, you need to go and do the course because uh, the show, because uh, this is what we train you for. Mm-hmm. So go do it. So we ended up, I ended up going to do the show for two years. What pulled you to Rombeer so much? Because obviously you wanted to audition there. You didn't get in. You went and auditioned again, didn't get in. And then you got there. <laughs> what was the pull towards that? Especially from, you said you weren't great at the ballet side of stuff and you struggled with the floor work and your background was a street dancer. Rombeer is the furthest thing from what you were good at. So what was <laughs> the pull? I think it's just the name. Uh, for me, I've always been about, I've always wanted the best for me even if I wasn't the best, mm-hmm. I like to have a great body of work. And, uh, and, and saying that I've, yeah, for Ram, Ram Bear was the best score for, for, for me to go to. And I wanted that. Even though I, I was like, there's no way I can get into this score. I, I thought to myself, I need to be there because I just need to be in the best score there is. Um, yeah, I, I didn't know that I was like ballet that much, but I, I did. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, me getting knocked back from there was good because I went back to Bodyworks and worked harder there to go back to Rambert to, to try again and I got in. I think it's because I liked the ballet stuff because I like being almost graceful. Yeah. Because obviously I'm a council boy and uh, it was like, it was like hard discipline. I probably needed that. Yeah. You know what I mean? So me going there, you know, shoulders just, up, you know, back right. It's quite right. militant, isn't and, it? And I think that's what I needed. Mm-hmm. And because and it was like a name as well. And I'd, I always, I've always wanted the best for me. I never wanted second best. It's just not good enough. No. I've always wanted the best. Same with the Cirque du Soleil. I've always wanted the best. So I've always gone for the best. Um, were there many other guys dancing as well at that time? Like going into the ballet school and stuff like that? From Swindon? Well, just were there many other men dancing then? Because I remember I when mean, I first started and I had probably four boys out of 60 girls. Well, in Rambert was kind of like, this, this is why I like the score because it was, it was like nine till six every day. And then you would do a, you do ballet in the morning then you do a contemporary class and you do a character class. Not like as in character, comedy character. It'd mm-hmm. be like character dance. Um, but for Rambo, what I liked, it was it was male classes only. Yeah. So in the morning, it would be, you just there with a bunch of guys. So in my in my year, there was about, probably about nine guys. Mm-hmm. That was how many was in my class. Oh, wow. So you get worked on yeah. really hard. And going across the floor, you're going across the floor by yourself. You're not going across the floor in twos. You're going, there's, you know, there's only nine people in that class. And once you do a mixed class, obviously there's loads of girls. There was loads of girls in my year. Um, so probably around about 30 altogether, about 30 students yeah. in that year. Easy, but in my in the in the male ballet class, nine people. That's actually quite a lot, especially for back then, you know, dance wasn't yeah. as big a deal as it is now. Yeah, I mean, it was... Uh, like, what year was that that you were in Rambeer? Are we going... 1999. 1998? 99, I was You there. know, dance wasn't the cool thing for men then. Yeah. <laughs> but it was... It, I mean... It was tough. It was hard. It wasn't. It wasn't easy. It was. 
I skived a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> um, I caused mischief. Which is weird because I only ever skived boys ballet. <laughs> I'd, I'd, sky, I'd, uh, I'd try and miss the actual the group ballet where yeah. all of us together. I like the, the male only ballet, but as a group, I, uh, I hated it because I, was, I wasn't good. Yeah, been winging it, Kane, flagging for years, flagging, flagging it for years. So I don't know how I got in that school, to be honest with you. But I, I, uh, I was just winging it. I've winged it. I've winged it till to till <laughs> to today. today. <laughs> I don't know how I've done it, man. But I don't know. Um, so your first job out of uh, Rumbia was Notre Dame. Notre Dame was, but it was. I mean, I was working before. Uh, Notre Dame, but it was more commercial stuff. Like um, I, I think my first ever pop video was everybody was kung fu fighting with Cole Douglas. What a tune! That was with Little Tim, uh-huh. and that was 1996 with an OG. That's yeah, with a, that's and that with was an OG. like it was me drone. There was like you know because back in the day the commercial dancers then it was you know it was very rare to see a backflip and someone doing flares, and it was only me, Little Tim, and a few others doing it back then. Yeah, I mean you know tricks and that you know people doing tricks now it's 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 oversaturated but back then it really was you know little tim doing a back somersault whoa what the hell yeah you know, it was you know back then it was good what That's, was what was how did you get looked after back then what was it like as a dancer did you get looked after well were you still yeah. bottom of the food chain no 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 this is what it is i think that the times have changed now which is you know the dancing i think is it's fucked can no, I swear on this? Yeah, 100%. <laughs> um, fucked is yeah, polite, I think. Uh, it's, it's fucked. Even in, even in, um, uh, yeah, it's just, it's horrendous now, like the pay and uh, the scene. But back then, you know, I, was, I, I know people that were doing Dove commercials for 80 grand <clears throat> and uh, big commercials for, for Nescafe and stuff like that. You know, you're doing stage jobs for, I knew people were doing George Michael videos, like Banksy were getting paid loads. Mm-hmm. You know, the scene back then was good. It was, uh, there was good dancers on the scene. There was, you know, there was only a few people that could flip. Everyone was friendly. And now it's just, uh, it's just so much bitterness going on. And I just, I mean, I, I don't really know because I'm off the scene now, but as I've slowly tried to come back on moving through fitness, I've been to a few like, you know, castings and stuff. And it's, it, the, the it's changed. Yeah. The pay I've I hear off people, and but that's the agents. That's yeah. that's not the performers' problem. Yeah, pay that's, now is atrocious. Yeah, that's the agents because they're conning people. Yeah, like but, now you're lucky if you get five grand for commercial. Yeah, I, I remember <laughs> I tell you a little story when I lived in LA when you were out there as well. The agent that I was with, not, not going to say the agent name, they left their password open on on a you know you had to do the LA casting thing. Yeah, but there was another one which was another site which was for the agencies only. Mm-hmm. Well, I had a password and the uh, email and I logged into it and I could see how much people were getting and how much money they take. So a Marlborough commercial was going out there like for eight grand and mm-hmm. real, realistic it was like 48,000. Jesus. They're so ripping people off. So they're taking 40 G's agencies, off the top. Agencies, of course, for they've been doing it for years. They've been, all been doing it for years. The agencies here, they're, they're bang on it because everyone's doing it. You might as well do it. Yeah. So it's it's always gonna it's never gonna change unless you know I I believe in self promotion I believe in YouTube I believe in uh, your own being your own business on your social media and stuff like that. that's how you're gonna get to work and paid through content for your videos and stuff like that you can do it I mean that's how I got Dr Pepper in the states yeah it was off YouTube it wasn't from an agent 
No. I had agents fighting over me. I got sacked from an agent, Clear Talent. <laughs> Remember Why? them? Yeah, yeah, they're because still they, going. They, they fired me, and then next thing you know, I got I got the Super Bowl commercial, and they were fighting to take me back on because they wanted commission. And that of course was, they did. And that was two weeks later. I got when I got fired. Two weeks later, uh, Doctor Pepper was calling me, and had all the agencies calling me, Mavericks, you name them. They're all calling me to say you need representation. No, no, no. I don't need representation. No. I'll take the money all myself. Thank you. For, but you can get more money. No, no. You can, you can get, get more, more money. money. <laughs> so I took a lot. I lived out for a year. Pimps, hookers, and crack. I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> Vegas, baby. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's yeah, the, the scene has changed here. It's a shame, but that's why I've gone the fitness route anyway. No, no it definitely has decreased since I started, and I've only been doing it 10 years. Mm. And that the change is very dramatic. So after your show, Notre Dame, what was talk me through your timeline of uh, from there to now? I think after being in Notre Dame, for me that was probably one of the one of my highlights of my career. Out of all the shows that I've done, and my body of work is, you know, I've been very successful in what I've done. I may not have any cash to show it, but. I've had a great body of work. I've lived the, I've lived the life, folks. <laughs> but um, I think as a show in general, I think Notre Dame was the, the ball roller for me and it was probably one of the best jobs I've ever done in my life. Um, and it was sad to see that close, but I had to, you know, I learned a lot from that show. I How long were you there? I was there two years. But what I learned in that show was all my acrobatics. Mm-hmm. I mean, I had a few flips um, that I could do, but... In that show, there's a piece called uh, Court of Miracles when everyone comes out and they're homeless and drunks and blah, blah, blah. So you, you had to like do flips and fall on your back. And mm-hmm. I couldn't do any flips. I learnt my flips in that piece. Yeah. So I was landing on my back doing flips that I couldn't even do <laughs> until I could land on my feet. Yeah. So then that's how I would learn all my tricks. So I was learning front flip off stuff and back flips. And I was landing on my hands and on, on my face and... You know, but it, it looked part of the show. Yeah. But it was me learning how to do tricks. Whilst doing the show. Yeah. <laughs> and I learned my tricks in on that piece in that show. All my flips yeah. came from the gainers, you name it. It all came from that show. B-Twist, I was the only one rocking the B-Twist. In London, probably. Back in the day, it was, and that was Darth Moore, um, Ray Parks. He's the one that taught me how to do a B-Twist. Yeah. And the that, actual Darth Moore. Ray Park taught me, and he was—he basically taught me how to do the B-twist. A few of us at Hendon in 1990, I think 1996 or 95, could be 95. Yeah, it was 95. And he's the one who showed me how to do the B-twist. And when I got Notre Dame in 1999, I was rocking it on stage. Yeah. No one was doing it back then. That's 1999 I was in, in Notre Dame. So... I mean, Notre Dame for me was the greatest show I've done. Learned a lot of tricks in that show. After that, moved on. Worked for Bruno to- Bruno Tollioni quite a lot. Mm-hmm. I remember him booking me for for castings. I just rock up to castings, and he would go, "Oh, Darren, you you don't need to do any castings. You we know what you can do, but while you're here, you can just show everyone what, what you can do." <laughs> so he'd literally just get me to show off in the class uh, in the audition for BBC. So I'd do most of the eye dance for them. Yeah, I've done Dancing in the Streets. I've done like a couple of idents for the Graham Norton show, uh, idents for uh, Strictly Come Dancing. And I just I just walked for the door and he'd book me. Yeah. But that's when the, the dancing was good. Yeah. That's when the times were good, basically when jobs were were worth doing. Yeah. Pay, good pay, good people. 
It's just rare to come across that now. And chances, do you know what I mean? To give other people chances. I mean, you know, you see so many different people on them tours back then, but it just seems like the the same people are doing the jobs now. The same people. Which is crazy, really, because the amount of dancers has probably quadrupled. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's know? it. That's it. Do you know what I mean? Like everyone is, you know, like I said, it's oversaturated now. Um, but you know, as a dancer, you do need you need all of it now. You need tricking. You need which is a good thing because mm-hmm. obviously, you know, when it, when I lived in, in, in Vegas uh, and you see the dancers there, they're mental. Like, they're, they're, I mean, mm. you, 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 you'd see a good dancer, but they could do amazing tricks. Yeah. I mean, that's everyone. Yeah. Not just, I mean, that's why if you look at the show, um, which is over there now, the, um, how was it called? It, the, uh, take your top off show what's it called it just magic come mic here one. see the magic mic one there mm-hmm. is incredible because mm-hmm. the dancer there some of them from Cirque du Soleil yeah see here I don't know what it's going to be like yeah but there you, I mean you could look at the casting videos from that show there's people doing moon kick well, twists they got, like, they got b-boy twixt you yeah. know what I mean it doesn't well, get they, any, there you go so you get any fresh and, in the and, JD. And, and they got Steve in it as well he does multiple air flares mad flips and he was in Cirque du Soleil also so you have People that are doing crazy amount of tricks, but once a show comes here, you know, so it's good that people like Nikki Wheeler's score are teaching people how to do the tricks. Like people like Lanes and all these scores, they they need to get more tricking and involved in that because yeah. look at the stateside there. I mean, you lived there with me, and uh, man, everyone everyone can trick, everyone can <laughs> yeah. do, they can do it all. How um how did that come about by you going to the states? Uh, well, I was on the scene in London for ages, probably to about 2007, um, just working the scene for like with Bruno doing the, the commercials and stuff. I was doing quite well with it. Um, and then Cirque du Soleil got in touch with me through, I think, I think, I think that's when YouTube actually first came on the scene, uh-huh. it was 2005 or six, I'm not too sure. When you could, you have to post a video and it takes 10 hours to upload it. Upload. <laughs> so I remember posting up my first video and it was called Fucking Hardcore. Nice. That, that was what it was called. Catchy. But it was like a six minute demo. Yeah. You know, when you, now it's like 30 seconds or something yeah, like that. Yeah. You know, when you go to your castings with like, I've got my first VHS demo, um, demo reel. It's like six minutes long. You used to take it to features <laughs> to go and get like scene. You go and take your VHS, like big video. But, um, I think with uh, how I got noticed from Cirque was they contacted me and it was a bloke called Fabrice Becker and he was, an, a, I think he was a gold medalist Quebec from Quebec, Montreal, what they called the skiers that do all the flips at the ramp. Uh, um, free cross, freestyle? Freestyle, freestyle skier. So he was basically a freestyle skier, gold medalist from Quebec and he was contacting me. And first of all, I thought it was a joke. First of all, I thought someone was egging me on because back in the day, my friend Joel, who was in Cirque du Soleil, one of my good friends, he sent me a Cirque du Soleil top and I cut off the sleeves and I'd go to my castings in London and I'd already said that I was in Cirque du Soleil. Nice. And I wasn't even in Cirque. And there was no way for people to find out because... Well, no, people just, I was just... I was winging it. Yeah. I was just blagging it. Because I like Cirque du Soleil that much. I was like, you know, I was always, I was like almost manifesting the the idea of being in it. You know, that way is like, I didn't even want to audition for Cirque, but Joel was sending me 
tops with Cirque du Soleil on it, and I was wearing them, winging it, going out to nightclubs, my Cirque du Soleil top on, and uh, wasn't even in Cirque du Soleil. And then, and then Fabrice Becker called me and said, we want to audition you for Cirque. So I thought it was a bit odd going, really? How do you get my details? Well, we saw your video online. Of you wearing a Cirque du Soleil top. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> I remember, I remember um, he giving me the opportunity, and then he... F- I think I was flown out to Amsterdam first of all, auditioned, didn't get it. And then I auditioned again in Vegas in 2006, uh-huh. uh, didn't get it. And then I thought to myself, do you know what? I'm not going to get this. I keep getting denied. It was a hard audition. The Vegas audition, Dana Brass was the, was the acrobatic coach who auditioned me on that. And it was just absolutely hard I was in a room by myself with her with you know for about five hours being auditioned and she and the audition process for Cirque du Soleil you get like called up for Cirque and you have to do a whole you know 500 people queuing up you ain't you ain't gonna have a looking or mm-hmm. chance getting in yeah if you get scouted like I got scouted then you've got a, a good chance of getting in so I got scouted for Cirque by, by Cirque du Soleil and uh, Cirque Fabrice Becker gave me the opportunity, messed up, couldn't get couldn't get the job. And then Dana Brass uh, called me to Vegas, auditioned for a uh, car, didn't get it uh, for the audition process in, in Vegas for car, didn't get it. Flown back to the UK about a year later, 2007, I think it was 2007, they called me up again and go, we've got a show for you. Uh, we don't know if you'd be right but can you come out to Montreal so I remember flying out to I think it was Vegas again to see my friend Joel because he got love the Beatles show Mm -hmm. and he gave me the opportunity to get auditioned for love so he goes right we're gonna do some gun boots or uh, um, uh, dance so we want you to to learn this piece and then I think he said to me learn some other pieces from the show he got me an audition on the stage at the Mirage. Um, and then I've done this whole massive audition in front of Katy and the whole Love People producers. And I remember that night, I think they told Joel when I come off stage, I'd already got the job. But mm-hmm. Joel kept it a secret from me until I went to the two-year anniversary party. And then Joel said to me, I've got uh, some news for you you've got the job at love. And I was like, what? And he was like, yeah, we're going to the anniversary party now because it's two years anniversary. And I remember going to the party and Katty said, yep, you need to go home, get your things. You had a great audition. I goes, how long? I thought you were going to tell me at home. And I, no, you, I told Joel straight off the stage. So once I got off the stage of my audition, I got the job and Joel, didn't, he kept that a secret because he wanted <laughs> to keep my head on my shoulders. So I remember went to the two year anniversary uh, but I also auditioned for Dana anyway, which was in Vegas and I didn't get it. But um, obviously flying back to Vegas and, and doing the audition and, and, and getting it, I, I went back home. And I remember I got called up a week later to go to Montreal, pack my stuff. It was literally a week later I moved to Montreal. Jeez. Quebec. It was that fast. I was in a relationship and everything. Did you just drop everything and go? Of course, man. That's I mean, it sounds, it sounds <laughs> bad. No, I, I did the same thing when I went to LA. I was like, I was with a girl for a year and a half and I was like, I've got my visa. Yeah. Like, I'm out. <laughs> but you just, you know. You, you it take, sounds harsh, but I dreamed my whole life for that. You yeah, know what I mean? that's what we, we dreamed for that moment. Do you know what I mean? I think Cirque du Soleil was uh, something that I've always wanted to kind of do. Um, 
even when I was wearing the uh, Cirque du Soleil top. But, uh, you know, end of the day, I, 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 I'd done the audition, moved to Montreal. And that was the hardest move I had to make. Because obviously, finished with my girlfriend, moving to Montreal, and it was literally hard work straight away. Mm. I think the first couple of months, I, I, was, I almost was crying and wanted to come back because it was that hard. What's the audition process like for Cirque? Really hard. Is it different depending what you're going in for? Well, the audition process that I did with Dana, which was a one-on-one audition in Vegas at the headquarters, that was hard because it was a one-on-one audition. It was just me. Uh, and I was there for like four or five hours. And she'd, she'd just play loads of music and do loads of tests on you. Like, okay, we're going to throw on this bit of music and show us what you can do to it. Like, you know, there'd be, it might be a CD of a buzzing bee. Show me what you can do to this. Oh, shit. So it's just loads of, loads of crap like that. But yeah. Cirque want to see how um, creative you are. Mm-hmm. You could be the most talented guy doing all the flips, but if you're not creative with your movement, then they're not going to take you. Mm-hmm. They want someone who's a bit bizarre. And I, was, I fit that, do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, you know, I, there was people in my audition before me who was, he was, you know, Venom. He's absolutely incredible. Big yeah. boy. Didn't get it. Yeah. You know what I mean? But they want people who are, you know, quite creative or, or just a bit... A bit nuts, but um, I think with uh with 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 that casting, it was literally chucking stuff at me. What can you do, blah blah blah. But the process in Montreal was a little bit different. You had to, you know, you're put in a headquarters with a hundred people living in the headquarters, and you're you're put through a grueling challenges every day. You know, you're doing it's like being at college again with, but with you know. I don't know, you've got to learn how to dance. Well, not dance, you've got to do character, acting, acrobatics, yoga. I mean, it's just like being back at school again, but 10 times harder uh-huh. because they just want to see what, what they can get out of you. Yeah. So you might be, you know, for me, I might I was good at flares and stuff. They want to see, well, let's put flares on top of a, a you know, I don't know, like a staircase 10 foot high and we'll see yeah. what you can do with that. So they're just, they're just throwing stuff at you. And it was hard man because obviously i went there and i wasn't a gold medalist yeah and i was surrounded by people who were from ukraine russia gold medals bronze medals <laughs> and there's me with no, no medal yeah i had nothing so you are really put to your test you really i mean it's it, it's no joke man it's when you're hard. when you're there so talk me through like a day in the life of being in cirque like what's a what's a regular day well when you get a job it's still hard you know what I mean? Because like, I can't imagine that it's just you get up, you do your show, nah, and that's it. No way. This is this is the this conditioning is the, for these shows are unreal. Yeah, this is this is the the problem I had with Cirque was I just I just couldn't go through that again. It's like where Notre Dame de Paris, which I loved it. You just clock in at six a.m., put your makeup on, little stretch on stage, do the show, go home. Six p.m. Yeah. yeah, and with 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 Cirque de Slay, you don't do that. Mm. You are in theatre from eleven. And you're rehearsing every day. Yeah. And it was like that for three years. Yeah. You don't have a day off. Well, you have obviously a day off your dark days, which mine was Tuesday and Wednesday. But I mean, like you're doing 10 shows a week and plus, you know, it'd be different. You know, I probably would still be there now if it was just do the show. Yeah. But, you, you know, circa about doing everything before that as well. Mm-hmm. Good off stage. Good. You know, that's probably where I wasn't good at. Um, <laughs> but you got to be good as a whole package for Cirque because it's a whole family kind of thing. Do you know what I mean? So you had to be good coming in, doing your show, uh, coming in, doing your, you know, mandatory stuff. Could be yoga, could be character work, could be acrobatics, could be anything. It was, 
it was brutal, man. Yeah. And uh, it, it was it was tough. It's grinding on your body. So to get through something like such a grueling task like that, like what was your nutrition and stuff like? Because I always think dancers, I believe that's where they fuck up. I mean, I feel like they think that they can be a normal person and eat shit and they go, it's okay because I dance all the time. And I'm like, yeah, but now you're not fueling yourself to be the best you can be. But you're obviously being in Cirque, it's a whole different level of intensity. So surely the way you look after yourself has got a big part, which is going to help it or not. No, I was I was bad, Kane. Were you? Yeah, naughty I was boy. Bad. I mean, I used to, I mean, in that show, I used to eat crap. You know, I mean, I, I mean, I was there's, there's California pizza next door. You know, you know about California <laughs> yeah, pizza. Yeah, of course. I sort of eat that crap all the time. I mean, my nutrition was bad, but at the end of the day, you burn it off. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're burning all your, you know, you. I mean, I used to eat uh, McDonald's, anything I can get my hands. I mean, I don't eat that crap anymore, but. Mm. In Cirque, my 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 uh, nutrition was bad, the worst it's ever been, and I was you know I was doing a lot of bad things when I was in that show anyway, getting we part, drunk, and partying part, in Vegas, partying too much. Yeah, is I mean? is it easy to get carried away in Vegas? It is when you've got that addictive personality. What I've got, you uh, you can you can kind of you know I've been given a, a lot of great opportunities and I've I've fucked it up a lot, burnt bridges and stuff like that. Not anymore though, because obviously you, you grow up, but um. You know, when in Cirque du Soleil, I, I burnt a lot of bridges and uh, I had a great opportunity and I, I, I fucked it up basically with just being an idiot and partying and not self care. Just you know, you know, how it goes. Yeah. You're in Vegas, man. Yeah. <laughs> I was doing some crazy shit, man. <laughs> crazy stuff. Home till like, you know, I'd, I'd play roulette till six in the morning. I've got a show next day. Was it hard? Was gambling? Were you, yeah. you get yourself caught gambling and stuff there? Gambling, I mean, you know. Because I always think, how would you rest in Vegas? Like, the, Vegas you doesn't don't. sleep. This is how the, do you rest? This is the thing, you don't. And when you've got your dark days, you're what you're doing, you're partying, you're at the pool, pissing it up and doing, you know, crazy stuff. I mean, I've got a huge addictive personality, so I, I always needed that rush. Mm. Let it be uh, drugs, let yeah. it be drink or anything like that. It's just gambling. It was, I was full on on it. Yeah. I think I left that show coming back skint. Yeah. But I lived the life, kids. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think it's perspective. Some people mm. think wealth is money. Yeah. I, I'm not yeah. that. I'm, I've never believed wealth. I believe wealth is experience mm. and knowledge. Yeah. But and that's why I've got a good story to, to tell is because, you know, I mean, if I can inspire people to, to go down the, the, not my route, but just, you know, twist it a little bit and uh, don't do what I've done. Just, you know, go down and do your contract properly. Yeah. And, you know, you'd be successful. I mean, I was, I'm successful. I'd do any, anyway, but I, I did fuck it up. A lot of jobs fuck it up just because of the way I were. Yeah. Would you, you change, change it? Would you go back and change it if you could? I mean, I wouldn't do suck again because it's fucking hard as fuck. <laughs> I mean, I mean, they offered me like a character job. Then, yeah, I would yeah. do it because you don't do anything. You just make people yeah. laugh. But physical side of it i'm happy that I, I i'm happy i've got the t-shirt got the dressing gown at home i'm happy to say that i've done it uh if i could just tell people to to go there and do the contract properly do it i think for me given such a great opportunity to do a solo i just got too big for my head yeah you know and you're surrounded by you know vegas and uh you know it's a very soulless place and you get caught up in it and i got caught up in it yeah. That's it. Yeah. I guess it's quite easy to do as e well. Easily. 
It's kind of like you're living kind of like a rock star's lifestyle. That's what I was living, but I wasn't a rock star. Because you're the soloist. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't a rock yeah. star, but I was living the rock star life. Do you know what I mean? But, um, <laughs> but uh, you know, I, um, I got good stories to tell from it and stuff. And it was, you know, I, I want to thank Cirque for giving me the opportunity to even giving me Hey Jude the solo, one of the best Beatles songs, you know, a Grammy award winning show. Last song at the end of the Cirque du Soleil, the show. And uh, and I'm you know I'm thankful for them for giving me that chance to do that because now you know I can tell my my kids in later you know later on yeah I was in Cirque du Soleil I'm gonna be that old yeah. fuck on the fucking trying to find YouTube clips <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah it was good Cirque du Soleil was good but um you know we move on now and uh, my my goal is uh, to inspire people now through fitness and do it the right way basically and try and you know just recover and yeah because you're big into Iron Man now. Well, that's it. I, I, like I said, I, I, I you thought I, Cirque was hard. Let's try something harder. Like I said, I got addictive personality, <laughs> and Cirque was damn hard. But what I like about the Iron Man stuff is I can really fight with my demons mm-hmm. and my addictions through through that. And that's why I'm being raw on this podcast today because probably people don't people knew about my addictions and stuff that I had. But um, I think you know, being real and honest about what you know what done because it ain't all sunshines and rainbows i've been given a lot of opportunities and fucked it up um through you know drugs and uh drinking drugs and all that kind of shit you know what i mean what other things did you fuck up besides cirque notre dame (laughs) (laughs) a lot of things man yeah like i said you you get given an opportunity i was a council kid from from part north and i got given a lot of opportunity to do some big stuff and I, and I did do some pretty big stuff and yeah. you get carried away, you get caught up in it. And me being, uh, I was quite big headed back in the day and arrogant and uh, I was just I was not the man I am today. I'm a different man, do you know what I mean? But looking bad at it, but looking, bad at it looking back at it, I was bad, but you know, you, we, we change, we, we grow up and, um, and uh, you know, we can only, you know, hopefully forgive the past yeah well looking at your schedule that you live now we had a little chat before this mm. to think that you are a party animal compared yeah. to what you do now i mean i guess you, you, just, you couldn't party now no because you, you, you know, you're training you blow your multiple out, you know hours I mean? a day so swimming running yeah biking so, so that's i think with the uh with the iron man stuff that's why it's a life changer for me because i think once i come back from suck to slay i was kind of lost mm-hmm. and i'll be honest with you i i I moved to LA after Vegas and LA wasn't really happening for me. I was there going to the gym. I was seeing you in the gym every day, yeah. mate, because LA's you know, quite a hard grafting place. And uh, I got caught up in that as well. And you get kind of like, you know, friends going, how are you doing over there? Yeah, it's great. But deep down it was horrible. Do you know I mean, I got Dr. Pepper commercial to keep me going, but how did you get that? You said my, you got through it through, my YouTube. through my YouTube clips. Is that the one where you do the freeze on top of the Dr. Pepper can? Yeah, that's how I've done it. I bet basically I was in North Hollywood and living in, uh, where was it? North Hollywood and Lancashire and, North, I mean, way North Hollywood, real ghetto. Like North ghetto Hollywood, North yeah. Hollywood. I was paying like 120 bucks a month. <laughs> it was that bad, cockroach infested yeah. city. But um, I remember I was sat there. Basically the, Mexico. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it literally was. And I was sat there on this couch. Uh, because I, I was with a girl back in the day who was quite successful, had a lot of money, and then we got that finished. So we had to move from our swanky pad from uh, in in um, Santa Monica and Crescent Heights 
Really, really nice pad. Yeah. The next door neighbour was Steve-O from Jackass. Lived in Sick. a real swanky place. I bet you two are trouble together. Trouble. Mentally trouble. It's crazy. <laughs> so we, we, um, me and I separated and I had to move to North Hollywood with my, with the only thing I owned was a couch. Mm-hmm. And obviously my addictions were quite bad there. I was quite, you know, you know, because I wasn't working and I was kind of like going the wrong directions and wrong paths and stuff, hanging around with the wrong people, partying till the sun comes up. I had a, I, I owned a couch in a when, when when she finished with me I owned a couch in a house that was it and my clothes on my back and my clothes what I had and trainers but I could keep the couch she said so that that was became my bed yeah. <laughs> like literally so I remember um Brent who was from Ninja Warrior very successful stunt man he said well I'm going to move you to North Hollywood I'm going to put all your stuff on the back of a truck and I just had my, my couch on the back of a truck and stuff moved into North Hollywood and I was literally living with a bunch of free runners from Tempest some of them from Tempest and stuff and I was led there and it was hot as fuck because my their, their air conditioning broke and you know what it's like yeah. in North Hollywood it can be hot as, hot as hell so I was there naked on the couch no one was in it it was just me and I was working the door back then at Santa Monica in Bar Copa. And I was thinking to myself, fuck me, I'm hot as fuck. So I started drinking a Dr. Pepper can and I thought, I got an idea. So I put a Dr. Pepper can on the carpet and I'd done a head balance. And I thought, fucking yes. Yeah. So I went back to the 7-Eleven, got a bunch of cans of Dr. Pepper and I started exploring with them, doing balances. Sent out to Dr. Pepper, bam, end up getting the job. For the for a commercial called One in a Billion, the Dr Pepper commercial, the biggest Dr Pepper commercial in the world for Super Bowl, and Shit. I was the main guy for that, um, and that that potentially <laughs> made my addiction spiral out even more control. What was the what must be the payout for like a Super Bowl commercial? Oh, must man. be in like there's no more. More money goes into the Super Bowl than we put into our royal wedding. You well, know what I mean, I, I could tell you right now where I was, I had no money living in North Hollywood uh, with a bunch of free runners with a load of cockroaches sweating on a couch. Um, and then ended up getting a Super Bowl commercial. And I, and I, I remember my first residual checks. I think my first one, I, I was with Patrick Allen at the time because he came hey. out, he come out to see me because he was renewing his visa. I remember my first residual check when I opened my letterbox, it was packed with letters, residual checks. I opened it and I think my first residuals combined with 10 checks it must have been about 10 grand. Jeez. So you can imagine I had that for a year. Yeah. I didn't need to work. Yeah. That's why you saw me in the gym. Yeah. Just floating about loving Just life. Chilling. Partying, meeting up with chicks, you know, uh, addiction spiral out of control. Um, not really doing what I should be doing now, as in, you know, really working on my uh, acrobatics and getting into castings, but I just didn't care. I, was, I, had, I had every bit of money in the world and going to Vegas, hiring out cars, putting 10 grand on, on, on down on, on a roulette, and it just spiraled out of control. Mm. So I think the move for me coming back to um, uh, London was probably the best move whichever app which you know for me was i'm glad that that happened because my visa ran out and i got a brand new visa to go back and i didn't go back i ended up going to scotland because i met someone went to scotland i was working for a little bit on the scene while my visa was getting processed but once i was visa was getting processed into about four months into it i then went to scotland and that made me get into fitness and Mm -hmm. 
try and find another path. Yeah. And, and I basically, that was what I got into after was my fitness stuff and all my Ironman training. So Scotland for me was, uh, was the, was, was the, uh, the new path for me. It made me kind of, you know, fight my demons basically because obviously there's no theater up there it's just you're in dundee <laughs> dundee there's no <laughs> but it, we, were, we were in dundee last month and i actually said this is where we met darren the year before <laughs> yeah, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. and if i was like yeah and i was like what did we do here and he went nothing remember <laughs> yeah. oh yeah but you know what it's like i, I know i got i gotta say for I've, I've been around the world and i've done some really great stuff and, I, and, and i've got to say dundee for me and scotland is probably one of my favorite cities do you think you in the world, do you think you gravitated gravitated towards it because it's actually the complete opposite to Vegas and LA? Well, that's what I needed. It couldn't be any further away. That's what. But that's what I needed. I needed that to get away from that. Um, and for me, I needed to because when I was in Dundee, it was like, okay, what I can't do theatre stuff. I can't do my acrobatics. What do I do? Mm. So I thought I need to channel it now and do my fitness and go that route. And I did, and it was, I got successful at it. Mm-hmm. And I found the new path and what I love. I got myself back and I really, really enjoyed that. I mean, I, I I do miss being on stage and don't get me wrong. I can still get on stage and kill it. Do you know what I mean? But for me, going to, going to Scotland potentially changed my life as in uh, it solved a lot of, of my self problems out. And obviously meeting the, the girl that I was with at the time, you know, it was, it was, it was a great city and I, and I miss it. I miss Dundee. It was there's a true, you know, little soft spot on my heart, and it's a great city, great people, and uh, hopefully, hopefully, may go back there soon. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But like I said, it's like for me, not having having that visa being processed and me going back to Scotland was. I'm glad it took that long time for it to be processed because it it made me think how dark LA was. Yeah, I, I I believe <laughs> it's a it's a very lonely place. Yeah, although there's and bazillion people yeah. <laughs> like someone was going for their O one one visa the other day and i was saying to someone that is not a good visa it may sound like it yeah it's a good but it's not because you can only you know you can, you only, can do only do what you're allowed to do or be illegal that's it yeah you, you couldn't do you know you know it's a very limited visa and for those who don't know what an O one is an O one visa is a and you're basically they call you an alien so, uh, and that's actually what it says on the form. You're an alien and yeah. you're going into their country to only work in a specific genre. So an O one one is for entertainment. So we could only work in entertainment when we go there. So if we weren't making money, we couldn't go get a part-time in Starbucks or go get a job in I a did. restaurant down the road, unless you can hustle it. But if you get caught, mm. you get kicked out. So it's, there's obviously there's ways around it. Yeah. But ideally, you're going for that specific reason. And I think people love the idea of it, but I feel like the reality of it is a lot more difficult than people actually... Yeah, it's, it's really take your time. If you're if you're thinking about going there, you've really got to have that shit planned out properly. Like, you know, someone was going for it the other day and they go, I got the O-1 visa. I'm telling you, man, it's a hard place to graft. You've got to remember, there's so many good people there and so many shit people there, yeah. all grafting at the same time. The street you live on, you won't find a plumber. You won't find a it. No, it's just everyone, everyone talking about fucking arts. This, this, and it's oversaturated. And it's, I mean, it's the hardest graft you'll ever do. And I didn't get my sag till a year and a half later, mm. and without even that, no one would touch you. I didn't want a sag. Yeah, everyone used to go sag's the best mm. thing. I was like, it's only the best thing if you book sag jobs. Mm. I was like, because once you book sag, you're not meant to do other jobs. Yeah, yeah the non-union <laughs> stuff. Yeah. 
but you know it's a it's a it's a tough place it can eat you up i'm not saying it 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 did eat me up because i i cho- i i i choose cho- chose chose i chose to go the route i did yeah it's i didn't get i didn't you know it's just i i just got caught up in it and uh um, you know, I was I've done some pretty big things there. I was I was involved in some film stuff. What movies? Well, not movies, but uh, uh. like doing like uh, working for Second Unit Solutions with the uh, Cord Newman with the stunts. Uh-huh. So I got involved with some like you know with some big time stunt people out there. Yeah. But like I said, it's a really hard place to hustle. You know, you've either got to know someone who can get you in over there and already start working, because if you're going there. And you don't know anyone or you know a few people, it ain't going to work out. I remember standing in a line for an audition for three hours. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like just stood outside for three hours in the boiling hot sun just waiting to be seen. And then you go in the room and you're there for about fucking four minutes. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? It's like... It's a hard fucking place, man. I'm telling you. It's like you're really thinking about going there, people. Just make sure you have everything planned out beforehand. Like people that you know can get you into... You know, you know, directors or people in casting, because if you're going there trying to fight for a for an agent and blah, 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 you better have your shit seen to, do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's a tough place. Do you see yourself performing again? I mean, yeah. I mean, look, I performed the other day and I, I said to myself, you know, I play this comedy character called Dandy Pike and I don't really like playing him because he's kind of a... I, I was going to ask you I about Dandy my, Pike. I, I bring my old self back. Mm-hmm. And Dandy Pike character is quite a sexual kind of cheeky fucking character that I made while I was in Cirque du Soleil and he's people just love it though yeah. you know what I mean but I, when I kind of play him I kind of go a bit crazy and it brings my dark self back can you describe Dandy Pike to us <sighs> eccentric um a piss taker doesn't care a, a womanizer he just he, he just uh, no no barriers just doesn't give a shit yeah. so when I'm in that playing that character I would do the craziest things. When I was in a show at the Hippodrome, I'd get people to stand up and I'd start snogging their wives. <laughs> but I wouldn't do that normally. But because no. I was playing that character, that I, everyone was loving it. I was like, get up. And in, uh, in, the, in, the, in before I had to warm up the show, and the girl would stand up and start snogging people in the shows. I just didn't care. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Because you're playing this character. Not it's not me. So I played this character the other day for Michael Quinn Productions. He gave me the opportunity to work for him as Dandy Pike. And I was like, oh no, man. I don't want to play it, but I played it and I thought to myself, I've been out of the scene dancing and stuff like that and tricking for a long time because I'm doing the fitness. So I didn't know if my heart was still there, Mm -hmm. but he said, just play it. Come on, come on. So ended up doing the show and actually enjoyed it. I had a good time and it was, I was very, I was, I was good. I I wasn't, I didn't do anything out of of hand. I really enjoyed it. And then I, I danced at Cafe de Paris the other day with uh, a company doing sort of like a black tie event. Mm-hmm. But I didn't play Dandy Pike. I just played a, a waiter coming on doing some tricks. Yeah. So I, 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 I miss it and I, and, I, and I enjoyed it. Would I go back to do it again is, uh, you know, it'd have to be a, 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 an amazing contract. Yeah. Like if, if Adidas called me up, right, with, uh, you know, let's say Andy Turner called me up and he wanted me to do Adidas, I would do it because yeah. you're working with someone who's decent, who's uh, it's a good company to work for, and I would do that. But to put a Donald Duck on your head, put yeah. a Donald Duck on your head and do some bar mitzvahs, I just wouldn't do that. Not feeling I got, it. I might You've gone the, past it. Suck the slay soloist, man. Yeah. I'm not going to go back and put a Donald Duck on my head. <laughs> you know what I mean? No chance. <laughs> Unless it was for Donald Duck the movie. Yeah, yeah. If you're working with <laughs> yeah. Disney, then I'll put yeah, that yeah. shit on my head, you know what I mean? But for me, like, you know, 
coming back from the states doing some big stuff i i just i, I got too much pride man yeah i did a job with jj and matt right and we had to wear these morph suit lycra things yeah. on your face now the job was really shit yeah and he and he said don't worry your face is not going to be seen you're wearing a morph suit and i was like i'll do the job yeah but i wore that shit zipped up even when i was not even on set because i didn't want anyone to see what i was doing see matt and andy they had their zips down loving life see yeah. now i got too much pride i had that shit zipped up at the back even when i was walking through london you know, until i got home i zipped it down i didn't want people seeing me because i got too much pride you know, i've done some good stuff that i think doing that job made me go now that's it yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna um not hang up the boots but i need to find something that i love unless it tops it yeah, of course, because like if Adidas calls me up or stuff, because I've worked for Adidas before, you know, I've worked for some big sports companies before, and, and if I, you know, I believe that these opportunities are coming again because I've been working hard. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I did the Adidas in Nuremberg. Yeah. Uh, in, uh, I did the uh, European Championships 1996. No, sorry, 2006. Yeah. I was in Nuremberg, Germany with production team. Um, so I, I, I miss gigs like that. Yeah. Would there be a way to incorporate your specialities, like your head balances, your head speed, you know, all the things that you were previously employed for? Mm. Would there be a way to incorporate that in your new fitness journey? Well, that's what I do. To make you recognize. So when you're doing an Ironman and everyone's fucking dying, mm. you go, ha ha, wall flip. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, well, well, you, you could be the, the crazy guy of Ironman. You could be the dandy pike of Ironman. Well, it's funny you say that because... There's a, there's the Ironman Journey, which is a Facebook page for people who compete in Ironman. They've got like twenty nine to thirty thousand people on there. Mm -hmm. See, I annoyed people on that site. Of course, you posting did. <laughs> little clips of me doing handstands on a bike, but that was my way of just showing them uh, I've got mental core strength. I'm going to get through this, but I was wrong because yeah. I f I didn't complete Ironman. So. I used, to, I used to literally post all these clips of me doing all this crazy cool stuff, going down the stairs on the Ironman site. You don't need this for cycling, swimming, mm. blah, blah, blah. But I posted it on there to annoy people, uh, to get to get uh, seen and stuff like that. So I got a Recognition. good audience. Yeah, I did get a good uh, lot of people watching it. And uh, a few of my Ironman journey uh, documentaries that I made. So people were like tuned in watching it. But once I, I uh, didn't complete it, People were then getting in touch with me. There was a big post on Iron Man. Where's that fucking guy? Does the fucking porch fucking planches? Yeah. He didn't even complete Iron Man. Yeah. There's a big post about it, and like the, the, there was like 150 people commenting, like cussing me, saying, "See all that cool work you done? You, you didn't even fucking need it because you so." But that's perfect because now when you complete it on yeah. the next one, and then you can go complete it, and as you cross that fucking finish line, yeah. you hit that planche and go fuck y'all. But the thing is, like the greatest thing about this is. Lucy Gossage, she won it and she's a nurse. So she's famous from I'm Man Wells. I'm just as famous as her and I didn't even complete it <laughs> because of my videos. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So, but end of the day, you know, that was my own fault. I should have researched more about sea swimming and stuff. But I think me with my journey with the fitness now, giving back to charity and uh, do a lot of work for Alzheimer's Society. And uh, I think me with the fitness and where it's going is the right path for me. And uh, raising awareness for Alzheimer's, obviously, through my documentaries. And the documentaries are doing really well because, you know, I get like a special guest on each month and you see my grueling training that I go through. Mm -hmm. So I think a lot of people are tuned into that. A lot of people were tuned in from definitely Wales, Ironman Wales.
a lot of people. So I was getting like, for a documentary episode, which is 10 minutes long, I was getting like six to 7,000 people tuned in. Sick. And that's not like paying. Yeah. You know, where you, people can pay to get a little bit of, uh, this is organic views. Yeah. So I've done really well on that. And um, obviously I've got to go back and do it all again, which is a bit of a bummer, but it just makes the documentary more uh, deep, more, you know, more exciting now because me failing that Ironman, uh, a lot of people got in touch with me and said, you know what I mean? We've seen your documentaries and they were inspiring. Even even words of inspiring people. Like, like people got in touch with me. And, uh, I got a lot of triathlete winners from all over the world and people that on the Ironman triathlon sites. They all contacted me saying, your journey's been great and what you've done for Alzheimer's and blah, blah, blah. And, and uh, keep up, don't give up, keep going and inspiring uh, words from people and and, mm-hmm. and events that have got in touch and said, we want to see you continue your journey. We're going to give you a free race on our race to warm yeah. you up for Ironman. So I've got like triathlons that I'm doing beforehand and six mile races for Dr. Doc running from, you know, um, London to Stonehenge and next year we're race to the stones. So a lot of people have come on board. But there's something <clears> about you failing the first one that as a as an outside audience member makes it more interesting to watch mm. because the fact that you put so much into it, you failed, you know how hard it is, you know how horrible it is, and then you go, I want to do that again and I'm going to make sure I do it. Mm. And the fact that you got loads of stick for being you mm. and not being the traditional Iron Man, this, this is the way it should be. Yeah. You know, you were you. You didn't change who you were through that journey and you failed it. Mm. But now you still being you and completing that makes it so much more interesting because that means it's your journey and not the typical journey and not everyone else's journey and i think that's more gravitating and more appealing and it's more people can connect with it more because some people might be like well i'm not like all those other iron men people yeah i am more like this guy i do like having fun so you found there's a way of you having a balance of still being you yeah. And going into their world. Well, that's, you know what I mean? I, that's what I tried to do. I tried to be with the episodes to be, you know, because if you look at all the Iron Men and people that do compete in it, they are strict, mm. you know, regimes of training. I come in, come in this as, well, I'm going to come in this in a different angle. I'm going to bring my episodes. Because if you see episodes of Iron Man episodes that people have done along their journey, they're quite serious and they're quite boring. Mm-hmm. You know yeah, what I mean? Well, but, uh, m- most Iron Man people aren't, ent- they're not in entertainment. They're not yeah. entertaining. They're, it's like bodybuilders <laughs> and it's like, you know, strong men and mm-hmm. most footballers, they're not entertaining. Yeah. They're just really good at what they do. Whereas you've got both aspects on yeah. your side. But that's what I wanted to come in, a different angle to show my training and show my funny side and my training side and the awareness for Alzheimer's and really kind of coming at a different angle, just having fun with it. And obviously still training hard, but you see my training, my, my grueling training for the episodes. And it, I mean, they've they, they done well. And uh, I mean, you know, my, it was my own fault that, uh, you know, because I didn't do any much sea swimming. Well, mm-hmm. I didn't do any sea swimming at all. Mm. I trained in the pool and that was my biggest downfall was, you know, taking too, time, taking too long in the ocean and then me getting lost on the, uh, taking the wrong turn on the, on the bike course. So that's my own problem. I started blaming the marshals when I got back, but that was just me with, my backup, with my backup. So mm-hmm. when I when I boiled down a week later, I was like, do you know what? It was my fault. And uh, I think for me going back, it, I mean, it wasn't a, 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 it was quite a hard decision because I said to myself, 
I've got to go back and do this again. Now I lost, I know it sounds quite harsh, but at the end of the day, I, me and my girlfriend split up because of the, uh, the Iron Man stuff. Because mm -hmm. all I ever talked about was Iron Man. The mm. training, uh, I didn't have time. I, w I became so besotted uh, by Iron Man and kind of was... That addictive personality Of again. course. I, and I, I didn't have time for her and I, I kicked myself for it. But, you know, you've got to have it's one or the other and I went for that basically mm -hmm. and, I, and it's a shame because I've got to go back and do it again but uh, it, after I failed I came back and I was just like but the, the support that I had saying you need to go do it again because I, I was I, for a week I locked myself in a room and I've never done that before because <laughs> I've always been successful at what I've done it's probably the b biggest fail I've, I've ever failed because I've bigged it up that much and crashed real hard Yeah, and people from Iron Man were right you know what I mean um, so I was just like, oh, man, do I go back and go through all that pain again? Because it's not the race. The race is beautiful. It's Pembrokeshire in 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 uh, in Tenby and Wales. It's a beautiful place. Wales, the the, the Iron Man. It's the hardest Iron Man in the world. I'm only going to pick the best of the best. So I'm going to yeah. pick Iron Man Wales. But a beautiful uh, uh, is it a city? What yeah. say, town, Tenby? Well, Tenby's a town. So, you know, for me, it's like, I just, it was a big decision. Do I, but I didn't want to be defeated. I thought to myself, you know, people going, well, why don't you do an easier Ironman? There's no easier Ironman. No. Yeah, there might be a flatter course, but that'll be a cop-out way. Yeah. And I, I, I can't do that. So I said to myself, that's it. I'm going to go back in again and I'm going to do it. I'm going to go through all that training again, heartache. And, and trust me, it's like, if people that saw my videos, you you see what I went through. Mm. It's no joke. You lose. I mean, I lost two stone doing that, doing training for that event. Jesus Christ! You know, I, I was you know core training your all your kind of balancing and stuff. Like you physically fit, but all your other stuff, you're flipping. You've got no time for that. Yeah. And I really missed, you know, you know, doing workshops and training people, doing my seminars, my movement stuff. I missed doing that because you ain't got no time to do that. Yeah, you you go to bed. You dream about Ironman triathlon. You that's all you dream about. Yeah. You wake up. You four five thirty in the morning. I was getting up. I was running. Do it. You're always active. Yeah. You, it's no. It's like if you're doing a marathon or an ultra, you you can do your run and take two days off and run. You can't do that with Ironman. Yeah. It's it's every day. You you got to do. You've got to do it every single day. There's no days off, man. Well, certainly for me, I didn't have any day off. Yeah. I trained every day. So when uh, when you start when you're gonna start documenting again for season well, series uh, two I guess yeah this new series is called the Hard Road and uh, I've got some great sponsors who've got me back onto the race and uh, it starts my new season must start in January so I give my I mean I'm still swimming because I have to swim mm -hmm. um, but I've given myself a little bit of time from the endurance as in running because I haven't run since September the eighth because mm -hmm. anyone who knows me I was running all the time but. I give myself time to recuperate and get myself back. Rest your joints, just, man. Just rest <laughs> up because I was... But I'll tell you something now. Resting has made me get little niggles in my ankles. Mm. I feel like niggles because obviously your muscles get really strong when you run. And obviously I'm not running now, so my legs are getting weak. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to be... I need to start running soon. But my season for Ironman will start uh, January 1st when I start my first day of my vlogging. Yeah. Because the vlogging, I mean, anyone who knows about vlogging and stuff, you know, you, I was vlogging every day. Yeah. And that is time consuming. Yeah, as well. it's a job in itself. Because I just want to train and you've got, you've got to get your camera out and you've got to film yourself. You know, it's tough. Mm. 
it's really, really hard. I think I didn't do my last episode because I was so um, race ready and I thought I can't vlog anymore because it's just, it's just draining. Mm. So I've done a montage, it's done really well in my last series, but I didn't have a guest on that. I didn't have a guest. No, I didn't have a guest that that month because I I didn't look for a guest because I just wanted to get it over and done yeah, with. It needed to be about you. But I needed to close the chapter on Iron Man Wells and that's why I'm going back to raise awareness for Alzheimer's Society, work for domestic abuse, which is in Northumberland again, mm-hmm. and uh, raise uh, some money for Andrew Cuthbertson. He's a friend who had a motorcycle accident. So I'm going to raise money for him to get him, help him with his therapy. Um, and then... Uh, that will start in January, my, yeah. my new episode, because everyone's tuned in, everyone's watching it. My first guest is from the GB team. Um, I've got some other GB athletes lined up. I'm trying to go more of the celebrities on this if I can. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to get older. Davina McCaw, I've been trying to get older for a while. She was meant to be on my last episodes, but she was quite difficult to get older. I was yeah. getting through to her PR team. So, But next series is going to be a different angle. I'm coming at it a little bit different. I think... Even though Iron Man is quite a serious sport, and I I came at it in my episodes quite serious. Yeah, I'm gonna be more fun in these ones. I think you. I think there'll be people who hate you being you mm. within Iron Man because mm. that's not traditionally what it's about. Yeah, but there'll also be people that like you being you. I think Iron Man isn't something that people are gonna sit at home and tune into and go. Let's watch these people train. Let's watch these people run. Like, if you have no interest in Iron Man, mm. it's not going to be entertaining. Mm. So by you being a character and you being Dandy Pike or you being Darren, whatever, either one is brilliantly entertaining, you're going to bring an aspect to that sport which will bring in people which aren't really into that sport. Yeah. Because people will gravitate towards you as opposed to just towards people running, swimming yeah. and cycling. Well, that's the angle I'm going to come and at. And the more awareness that brings to the sport, the better it is for the yeah. sport, surely. I mean, that's that's the angle I'm going to come at as as be more me and just not too serious, even though the training's quite serious, but just coming at a different angle, more fun, have more fun on the episodes, get involved with more races and uh, get involved with the people. Uh, just take it on a little bit of a, a different journey because, like I said, Iron Man, I don't want to, I don't want to rip into it too much, but when you meet someone from the Ironman, the, the, the athletes that do it, they're, they're really intense. boring and intense. That's all they do is just that, right? But, <laughs> Most of the time. You know, it has changed my life, you know what I mean? So I can't knock it that much, uh, that, that much because end of the day, I love it and I want mm-hmm. to do it again And because uh, I love the, the emotional and uh, physical aspect of the, of the sport. But some of the people, they're quite at their own asses. Oh, less uh, uh, an easier one for people to relate to because now it's more in the public eye. Let's look at UFC. UFC, a fighter's life is fucking boring. Mm. Like they wake up, they wake up, they run, they eat, they fight, they eat, they fight again, they go to sleep. There was no interest besides the fact that we like watching people beat each other up. Mm. It's not very interesting life. And then along comes Conor McGregor, who's eccentric and is exciting and is talkative and has all this energy. So remove the fact that he's a good fighter and he's a great fighter. He's exciting and there's Mm. an entertainment aspect to it and there's a character. And that has brought in outside viewers because they gravitate to him, which then has built the sport. You can be that for Iron Man. Yeah. Because that is what Iron Man is missing because there's no 
entertainment. Well, there. that's why I'm coming in as that. It's the it's back to the drawing board, and uh, that's the. I mean, the the series was good anyway, but yeah. But looking back at it as myself, I, I need to be more myself. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I was there was little aspects of me coming out, but I didn't want to be. You know, it's my first ever Iron Man, my first ever documentary series because I've always vlogged, blogged, done crazy videos, and mm-hmm. anyone who knows me, I've always put out good stuff. But me vlogging every day for eight months, I've never done that before. So I came quite serious. Mm. And people said to me, you need to be you. Be you. Be be the way you are. And that's the way I'm going to come at it this time is more fun and have a laugh. But still keep it on a serious aspect because it is a serious way. You're not going to get through that race without being serious because it is, you know, I I was really, really serious and I didn't complete it. Mm. That's how hard it is. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, you still got to be serious, but come at it at a different angle. Cause, and, it, and it pisses the, uh, uh, the Iron Man triathletes off. But I've got a lot of followers from the Iron Man site who, there's nothing wrong who with love that. it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But Where there's haters, there's lovers. Do you and know what the, I mean? Yeah, end of the day, there's, I've got a, quite a big following. Actually, do you know my Instagram now? I've got <laughs> so many people from Iron Man triathlon world coming over. Mm. I don't think my audience is from the arts anymore. No, they just because I've all I post is Iron Man, so my hashtag in the be Iron Man triathlon triathlons and stuff like that. So I think with uh, my audience right now is is them because that's that's the route I'm taking. I'm, I mean, with the fitness thing, I've been on it for about four years now. You know, I've done all the core training, mm. training up in Scotland, doing seminars, going to Tap Snap, doing uh, there's a great gym in not in Derby that I was. I've done a few seminars there. A great, there's a great gym in Dundee called Dundee Mixed Martial Arts. They've got, you know, great MMA fighters there. I was Mm -hmm. done a little seminar there and I had the privilege privilege to work for a couple of fighters from their their, um, group. And um, so for me, it's just like, um, you know, for the the series, I just need to come in it as a a different angle and uh, just have more fun. 100%. And that's man. what I'm going to do. I, I, I believe that you have everything it takes to make it what you want it to be. Do you know what I mean? You're entertaining, you're charismatic, and you're talented and determined and hardworking. Mm. You have all of the things which can make it what you want it to be. Yeah, I think... I think um, do you know what? Even though I had... I wouldn't say it was like... you know, Because obviously I have burnt a lot of bridges of what I've done. and People know what I've done back in the past. But these are learning curves and end of the day what happens back in the day of me being a right arsehole you know i learned a lot from that and uh you know i i got good because because of my attitude yeah i didn't come in it as a softy i come in it as you know i want to battle everyone and i've taken i've taken what i've got now is i transitioned to the the fitness and ironman i've taken it across to that now come on there's battle fucking yoga people there's battle fucking (laughs) but that's what i've done now i've I've also i've transitioned it across but not being an arsehole like i was back in the day um because i could have got booked a hell of a lot of times but the casting directors just didn't want to work with us because the way i was you know uh, i think andy turner was uh, uh uh you know, when I come back from the States, he said to me, I know that you've grown up, you've uh, definitely changed because Cirque du Soleil wouldn't hire you. So I want to book you for a job to do the Weller stuff. Yeah. And this is the guy that probably hated me back in the day. Yeah. And now we really get on. You yeah. know what I mean? So I remember his his words when I come back in 2014, he booked me for the Weller stuff. I've done a lot of Weller stuff. I went to Turkey and uh, he said to me, I know you've changed. So that's why I'm going to book you. Sick. But um, 
yeah, it's a, it's a big story, body of work story that I've yeah, fucking pissed a lot of people off. They love a lot of people. Yeah, you're either going to love me or hate me, man. That's that's the always the you know like there's the three stages to me. There's there's oh, that guy's a cunt, and then there's <laughs> the second stage when you meet me. Oh, he's a fucking bell end, and he he's all right. And he third stage, you know what? He's actually he's actually all right. And then fourth stage, fucking love that guy. Hey, there's nothing wrong with looking at the supermarket shelf and going, I'm, <laughs> and I'm Marmite. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Because exactly it's, it's on the fucking shelf. <laughs> that's exactly like, how it was. <laughs> always, do you know what I mean? But got a good body of work to talk about it. Do you know what I mean? I've had some top jobs. I've had some really shit ones as well. But if I could, you know, you know, because what I'm doing now is uh, I'd rather inspire people and do it the right way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've done it, the, I've done, you know, some wrong and rights, but I've been... Turn it around and just do it all right. It's the best way to do it. Hundred percent. Where can people uh, find your vlogs? Like, what do they you can go it's to? It's on YouTube and Facebook. Yeah, go right? to my uh, Instagram. Would be I'm doing these new little videos called the lessons, which is like little funny comedy fitness vlogs. But you can see my training stuff on there, and it's mm. called go go to Instagram Darren Tate official. Yeah, I'll put all the information in the bio of the episode as well. And then my Facebook, go to Darren Tate, or go to the facebook page the iron journey which will you see all my episodes and eight episodes with gb athletes the royal ballet with uh, olivia cowley's on there one of my guests from adidas um to world champion gb athletes uh, they're all on there uh, what bike you know some good yeah. people on there so you can see my whole journey on what it was like to be an iron man and fail as one as well um but my new episodes the hard road starts uh january 20th 31st because it's the month ahead, like to the end, you'll see the episode of end of every month. Dope. Yeah. And uh, people can find the charities that you're doing it for. Yeah, I do it. Them, for, I right? do it for Alzheimer's Society. I do a lot of work for them. So uh, they can sponsor you through your page. Yeah, you do, you'll see. I just when my once my uh, I'll get my new series up, and then uh, my new uh, Alzheimer's page will go up because it's you know it's difficult times when you because everyone starts doing these pages and charity go yeah, fund me yeah. it's it's tough do you know what i mean because some people sometimes people don't want to dip in do you know what i mean yeah. I, I i mean i do it every year and it's it's getting harder to get because it's the same people don't yeah, yeah so i'm gonna do a new one and uh for so january will be my new alzheimer's page that people can donate and stuff sick and uh raise awareness for alzheimer's and put myself with grueling challenges and you see me go through hard training again yeah man well i'd love to get you back on uh nearer towards the yeah, end of man. the hard road. Yeah, get, I'll get you get you on the documentary as well. Do you know what I mean? Because at the end of the day, I'd like to. I mean, that the ins and outs is good, and I, I dig it. And uh, keep doing this, man. Because you know, if, if you can if you can inspire people through these podcast podcasts, you know, I hope I can inspire people. Even though my road was rocky, you know, I'm doing some good stuff now, and uh, you know, you're inspiring people through your, your through your podcast, and uh, just keep at it. People are intrigued by it and it's people are tuned in. You've had some great people on there. Keep it going, man. Yeah, man. I'll get, you, I'll get you on my episode as well. I believe our job, our purpose is to help people. And if you're not helping people, then what are you doing? That's eh? it. And I hope today, kids, that are, you know, you can all learn from this. Don't do drugs. Do be good and go to your castings and be nice <laughs> and be a good boy. And have fun. Have fun. <laughs> Thank you, yeah. bro. Cool, man. Fucking nice sick. One. Respect. Good Pow. stuff. This episode was brought to you by Level Up Dance Academy, bringing you premium dance training, making you the best dancer you can be so you can have a career better than me. Rhymes, bars, rap star. I'm out. Bah. 
Thank you for listening to the Ins and Outs podcast. Please leave us a five-star rating and review on iTunes. Subscribe, share with your friends and family, and also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We out. Peace.